Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Welcome, everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm David May. We attended here from, um, well, about 10 years and left here in August of 2012. And so um, I wanted to begin by thanking the elders for um, allowing me to speak. Most of the elders know me, and so that's a risk that they were willing to take, and I appreciate that. I want to thank Mike for uh, giving me the opportunity to speak and for taking us to the UK game last night, giving us a tour of neighborhoods that he didn't even know where he was at on the way back. Um, I also want to thank Phil for leading the songs and Mike for using the songs for the Bolton to kind of set this topic up. Phil was kind of nervous about one of the songs, but it went well, I think, so uh, thank you. And I want to thank Dolly Lynch for hosting the May family. For those of you that have hosted the May family, you know what an undertaking that is, and we certainly appreciate that. She told us on the way out to come back anytime. Um, Brad Oaks knows that that's a bad thing to tell the May family, so um, at some point we may just crash Dolly's place again. And so thank you all for allowing me to do this. Um, many of you have asked about the kids. Some of you have seen the kids. They're all over here on my left in front of the Mackinans. And if I am not mistaken, that's where we used to sit when we uh, came here toward the end. We used to sit with the college kids and then we moved over there. Um, and so Grace is in human family development. She's a senior, Will's elementary ed senior. James is art and or photography major they, and he's a junior. So they're all at Mississippi State, and I'm still at Mississippi State. So if you ever have any questions about Mississippi State, we'll be happy to answer those for you. I see so many familiar faces here and so many um, people that mean so much to us. And I knew it was going to be like this. Um, so once I get through this part, hopefully it'll be less emotional. Um, we've had a lot of people some of whom I missed from where they were sitting in this congregation that have gone home in the last 10 years since we left. Um, most, most of you knew Natalie. She went home November 2nd of last year. And we, through their 10-year journey, the nine-year journey of breast cancer that she fought, um, this congregation meant so much to her. Even though we weren't here, there were lots of cards, there were lots of letters, there were lots of prayers, lots of thoughts. We were regularly in your bulletin, and we thank you so much for that. Um, we even had visitors come more than once uh, from Kentucky, drive all the way down there to see us, and we all knew it was to see Natalie, but we basked in the visitation. Um, one of the, my favorite stories, I have many, but Mike, I think Mike was driving, and he and Chris Highmore and a couple of other people, uh, Ron Lawson, I don't remember who the other one was, came down, and in our neighborhood we have a, what says it's a dip. Well, it ain't a dip, it's a ditch. And so they came in about 11 o'clock at night, hit that thing about 30 miles an hour, threw Chris into the uh, windshield. It would have been awesome to see, but I, I just got to hear the story. Um, and so if you do come visit us, uh, we're still there. Oh, that ditch is still there, so slow down as you come into our neighborhood. But this congregation has meant so much to us while we were here and over the years since we've been gone, and we certainly appreciate that. And the topic for this sermon came um, in February of this year. 
Uh, since Natalie has passed, I have to find ways to occupy my time. And so Mississippi State's women's basketball team was playing Auburn at Auburn. I have a grad student that is at Auburn, and so I called her and I said, hey, let's go to the Mississippi State game tonight. Well, for those of you that have never been to Mississippi State or to Auburn, there's no good way to get to either place. And so I drove Highway 82 from Mississippi straight into Auburn through Montgomery. It rained the entire way. I got soaked when I got there. But the next day was fine, and I uh, was driving back, and then somewhere in rural Alabama, I saw a marquee outside a church, and it said, homegoing ceremony. And I thought, I don't know what a homegoing ceremony is. I've never heard of that. Homecoming ceremonies mean a lot to me because there's always free food at homecoming ceremonies. And I always try to go to any homecoming, whether it's my homecoming or not, if there's free food, I'm going to be there. And so um, I thought maybe a homegoing ceremony involved free food as well, but I didn't stop and check. And so when I got home, I used the Google machine and I looked up what a homegoing ceremony was. And a homegoing ceremony is basically a funeral. And I never heard it called that. And I thought, wow, that's a great term for what a funeral for a Christian person is. And I want to read you uh, an excerpt from J.E. Campbell. J.E. Campbell wrote an article that spoke of death in a unique way. Moving day is coming. Just when the van will stop at our home, we do not know. But for everyone, it is sure. And for those along in years, it is soon. As the day approaches, we realize the necessity of leaving our present abode and occupying the new house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Death for the believer is a homegoing and not a dreaded parting. The owner of this house, the owner of the house I have occupied here on earth, has served notice that I must soon move out. The foundation is crumbling, the heating system is failing, and the windows are getting dim. Going away 10 years, you see people age. I did not recognize Jonathan Mackinnon when I saw him last night. Um, he has changed remarkably. Now, Ainsley came up to me this morning. I didn't recognize her either. Most of you older folks I recognize. Some have less hair. Some have whiter hair. Some are bigger. Some are smaller. Um, but we've all changed. And as we get older, our bodies change as well. And as we get closer to home, our lives change as well. I'd honestly never even spent much time thinking about death until Natalie passed away. And now I think about it all the time. Um, it's a homegoing ceremony. A couple of weeks ago, Grace and I uh, drove up to somewhere in Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee, outside of Nashville to Al Morris's homegoing ceremony. We saw several of you there. Um, Doris has passed away. I preached a sermon about Doris. I preached, I used Al's program, his homegoing program, to preach the next sermon I preached. Um, they meant so much to us, and now they're at home. And we're all going to home someday. And today I wanted to talk about that home, because our home, for, for all of us, we strive for, is heaven. And heaven is a better place than where we are, because of three main reasons. The first one is, what isn't there? Turn to Revelation 21. We're going to read several passages from Revelation 21, but I want to begin in Revelation 21, verse 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Turn to Hebrews 9, verse 26. Hebrews 9, 26. For then he would have had to suffer repentance since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of his, the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When we go home to heaven, there won't be any sin there. Um, as most of you that are my age or older, you've seen a lot of things in your life that have really disappointed you as a Christian. And it continues to do that. And as we go home, we won't have that sin there in heaven with us. There won't be any sorrow in heaven. Turn to Isaiah verse 25, chapter 25, verse 8. Isaiah 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. Back to Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There won't be any more sorrow in heaven. Um, even when I go to homegoing ceremonies of people that I, I'm not, I don't have the ability to judge, but as a Christian watching some of these folks, I think, well, if they don't make it to heaven, I sure ain't going to make it. And so even in those ceremonies, it's really painful, sorrowful, because we don't want them to go. We want to keep them here as long as we can. But in our home going, there's not going to be any sorrow up there in heaven. There's not going to be any suffering, as we've already read in Revelation 21, verse 4. And then turn to Revelation 7, verses 16 and 17. Revelation 7, 16 and 17. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no suffering. Many of you have seen lots of suffering in your earthly lives here. Many of you have endured suffering in your earthly life here. When you get to heaven, there won't be any more suffering. And then there will be no more death. Turn to Hosea 13, verse 14. Hosea 13, verse 14. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? Shall I ransom, redeem them from death? O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hitting, hidden from my eyes. O death, where is your sting? When we get to heaven, there won't be any more death and any more sting of death. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
we're all going to die here. Unless the Lord comes before we die, we will all die. Death is undefeated in this life. And when we die, we're going to have a place that we go. If we go home as we're striving to do, there won't be any more death in that home. Um, I'm 56. I know I look 35 or 80, depending on your perspective. Um, but as I've gotten into my 50s, I go to a lot more funerals than I did prior to this. And I anticipate that's going to keep going because people my age get closer to death every day and some of them go ahead and pass away. Um, we're all going to die, but when we get to heaven, there won't be any more death. And so heaven is better than here because there's no sin, no sorrow, no suffering, and no death. Heaven is also a better home because of what is there. Now, I have uh, developed an affection for Brazilian steakhouses since I left here. I probably had it when I was here, but I've developed more of an affection for Brazilian steakhouses. And I say sarcastically and jokingly many times, my version of heaven is there's a Brazilian steakhouse there where I never get full. Um, because I know you look at me and you say, that must take a long time. Um, and it does. But even after two hours in a Brazilian steakhouse, I get full. My version of heaven might be I never get full. That's not in Revelation. That's Dave's account. Um, I don't know what heaven is going to be like. I think we have some guides here as to what heaven is going to be like, but I don't think the human mind has the capacity to understand how wonderful heaven is going to be. But we do know that there are several things that are there. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who loved him. God has prepared heaven for us. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place that we will spend eternity. And so if God made it, it's going to be phenomenal. We also know from a Revelation 21, several figurative descriptions that, again, I think are used figuratively because we really can't understand how beautiful heaven is going to be. I appreciate Phil leading the song um, in our book. It's the, the pearly white city. I think it was, there's a holy and beautiful city here. Um, that second verse of that song comes largely out of Revelation 21. And it describes what Revelation 21 um, says in that song. And so I'm going to read Revelation 21 verses 9 through 27 and just picture this in your mind as I read it. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down of, out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a Jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies foursquare, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city was adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a wonderful place heaven is going to be. I didn't mean to, but I mentioned the title of a song a minute ago, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. We cannot envision how beautiful heaven is going to be. But these descriptors, many of which I couldn't pronounce and have no idea what they are in terms of jewels, are powerful representations of that beauty, that gold that we're going to achieve. And as Jack read and are preparing our minds for the Lord's Supper, um, Christ is going to prepare this place for us so that when we get there, we can experience this wonderful place that's called heaven. And so heaven is better than this because of what is there. And finally, heaven is better because of who is there. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. At home with the Lord. When we go to heaven, God's going to be there with us. Turn to Revelations 4, verses 2 and 3. Revelations 4, verses 2 and 3. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnean, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. God is going to be beautiful. God is going to be in heaven. And we're going to be able to spend eternity talking with God. Um, I preached a sermon about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, called God's sense of humor, because I believe God has a very good sense of humor. The, the, what prompted that was there's one day a year, I don't, well, there's lots of days a year, I don't want to go to work, but there's one particular day that we have a faculty meeting for seven hours all day long, and it's just as awful as I'm describing it. And I got COVID that morning. And so I didn't have to go. I got it so late that they couldn't even set up a video feed. So I got to sit at home with COVID and not have to go to this awful meeting. 
And the whole time I was thinking, God has a sense of humor because he knew I wouldn't want to go to be there. And so he didn't make me go. Um, I'm going to ask God if I get the opportunity. That was awesome, God. Thank you. Thank you for all you did. But thank you for that. And so we'll get to talk with God and spend eternity talking with God. Christ will also be there. Turn to Revelation 5, verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then in Revelation 7, verse 17, in my, I'm sorry, that's not right. So Revelation 5, verse 6 uh, is where we see that lamb standing. Christ is going to be in heaven with us. And so we get to spend eternity with Christ and God in heaven. And then another figure that's going to be there is the Holy Spirit. Turn to Revelation 14, verse 13. Revelation 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. The Spirit will be in heaven with us. I went to Ron's class this morning, and for a change, Ron's class was enjoyable. Um, but I really enjoyed Ron's class, and he talked about how a lot of us don't understand the Trinity, that it's a very deep topic. And I'm really interested in heaven spending time with the Holy Spirit because I, I've studied a lot and I still don't think I have a great understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so I know that the Holy Spirit's going to be there and I want to go for that. And we also believe that there's going to be other saints there. Turn to Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, <clears throat> and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That cloud of witnesses that's up there rooting us on in our Christian walk here on earth, that's saints that are up there, Christians who are in paradise, waiting on us. Um, last night, there was, well, yesterday afternoon, there was another football game. Um, it involved an orange team and a crimson team. Um, for those of you that didn't know my wife, she had this affliction called being a Tennessee volunteer fan. And the rest of us tolerated that for our, our lives, really. And she didn't get to see Tennessee beat Alabama for the last five years of her life, six years of her life. And I, call, I had a buddy from the Army call me last Saturday night, and he said, if Tennessee beats Alabama, let's see, I said, if Tennessee beats Alabama this year, it'll be for Natalie. And so I don't know that that's true, but I know that there are Christians that are up there in heaven and paradise rooting for us rooting for us to walk the Christian journey here on the earth. And we're going to be joined with them when we get there as well. In Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24, we read, But you have come 
to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels in festival gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The innumerable angels that are there in heaven waiting on us. When we get there, it's going to be a much better place than where we are now. And we will be joined with many, many saints who've gone on before us. Each of you have your own list of people that you believe are in heaven and that you want to see in heaven. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be happy. We're going to have a wonderful time for eternity. I don't understand how long eternity is. Um, since y'all got a new clock, it may be because Mike gives y'all a better understanding of eternity every time he gets up here. Um, but eternity is a long, long, long time. We don't fathom it. But I know that we will love heaven and spending our time in heaven. Not everybody's going to get to heaven, though. Turn to Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had not been founded on the rock. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are people here and I'm confident of this. I don't know everybody here. There are people of here that will that are here today that will be in heaven. I also believe there are people here today that won't be in heaven because not everyone is going to heaven. And that conflicts with so many people's view of God and heaven, but it's clear in the scripture, not everyone is going. If you haven't been baptized for remission of sins, then I can confidently say with the scriptures backing that you're not going to heaven. And it, this morning would be a great morning to do that. If you believe that Christ is the Son of God, are willing to repent and confess that he is, and be baptized for remission of sins, then we can do that for you. Um, most or many of us here this morning have done that. But sometimes we slip. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we need earthly cheerleaders for us as well. And these earthly cheerleaders will be happy to pray for you and with you for whatever's going on in your life that you're struggling with and need help. Whatever your need this morning, please let us know as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky.
We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.